Oh, right. Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. I'm sure you saw in the bulletin, you can see it up here, but I told you that we're going to introduce our theme for this year. It's Thrive. Brother Modder, did your wife let the cat out of the bag? I told her she wasn't allowed to. I gave her, because it has to do with Sunday school. So the Sunday school teachers had a sneak peek, and I told her that she wasn't allowed. It's top secret. It's confidential for her eyes only. It's fine. And so there's that. There's every week I'm going to get out a devotional. I put the first month in there. And so just look for it on the back table. But anyway, that's our theme for this year is Thrive. Uh, We're going to start the year, like I said, on Sunday mornings in Galatians. And that's probably going to take us a few months to get through, to be honest with you. Sunday nights, we're going to start with, um, JJ wrote a book, and uh, it's based, based on a sermons that he did, and he compiled it in a book about eff- effectively witnessing in today's culture, today's society, so we're going to look at that on Sunday nights, and so that's kind of the plan, at least for the first few months of the year. Like I said, Thrive is going to be all year long. But if we're going to thrive, it's going to take faithfulness. Like I said, we're, it's a year-long commitment. It's going to, I'm going to have to be faithful getting them out to you. <laughs> You're going to have to be faithful uh, doing it. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that he promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, therefore remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for the judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall... He be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people It is a fearful thing to fall under the hands of a living God. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we're thankful that you allowed us to come and gather worship, Lord. We just pray that you'd be honored and glorified as we look into 
our theme for the coming year. Let's call these things your name. Amen. How many of you know that? I don't, I shouldn't say uh, every year, but it seems like every year they update the dictionary. There's, there's new words that are invented. And so they, and after a while, if they stay around, they get put in the dictionary and they take out archaic words or they put an asterisk next to it, letting you know that it's an archaic word or archaic definition. The truth of the matter, I, I read this and I, it's a bit pointed, trying to be a little bit sarcastic. But it says, if our dictionary is revised, besides the entry of the word faithfulness, it would read a once prized characteristic of human character, which is now extinct. The truth of the matter is, like I said, that's pointed maybe even, some would say a bit ludicrous, but the truth of the matter is there's more truth to that than we would like to, and that we probably realize. If faithfulness is not yet extinct in our culture, it's moving in that direction. The characteristic of faithfulness is certainly one element that's missing in our society today. Marriages break up because of a lack of faithfulness. Businesses dissolve, friendships, and people suffer simply because of lack of faithfulness. Faithfulness is related to words like commitment, loyalty, and reliability, integrity, things that are essential but seem to be unimportant. Flip over to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Second Timothy chapter number 2. Verse number 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithfully, he cannot deny himself. God is faithful. God is faithful. He can be relied upon. You can have confidence in the fact. Are we faithful? Do people have confidence in us? That we're going to do what we say we're going to do, or that we're going to do what we're supposed to do? Can you be relied upon? If we're going to thrive in the coming year, it's going to take an effort. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to ask people to do some things. Are you going to be reliable if I ask you to do it to get it done? Or if uh, Brother Motter asks you to do something, or Kendra, or the Sunday school teacher, somebody asks you to do something, can, are you reliable to get it done?
Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 19, gives us the opposite of reliable. Talks about confidence in, in unfaithful men. Kendra has a toothache. That's, that's what confidence is like in an unfaithful man. It's when your tooth hurts. The Bible talks about a toothache or a bone being out of joint. Brother Motter's hip. He doesn't have confidence. It's not reliable right now. And it's annoying and painful. And because God is faithful, we must learn how to be faithful. The, as, as much as we would like for it to be on both sides many times, faithfulness is not a characteristic that you're born with. It, it has to be learned. It has to be taught. It, it's, what do they say? It's an acquired taste, but... There are, there are some things that, some characteristics in your genes that you are born with. I don't know that anybody was born with a gene of faithfulness. We all, many times, would rather do something than what we're supposed to do. Brother Motter was talking this morning, Christmas, New Year's break is coming to a close, so kids have to go back to school. His grandkids don't want to go back to school. My kids don't want to go back to school. I was thinking about this this week. You know, I, I, obviously it was Christmas, so I wasn't in the office as much as I wanted to be. And then Saturday rolled around, and I'm like, I really got to get, yesterday I got to get in the office and get some things done. But I didn't really want to, to be honest with you. But sometimes we got to do the things that we don't like to do. What would you guys have done if I got up this morning and said, you know what, I really didn't want to prepare a sermon, so I didn't. I wouldn't be reliable. Kendra wouldn't have gotten paid. Scripture calls the Christians to be faithful in every area of their life. You know, something that I've observed, because we're faithful in one area of our lives, we, we think that we've accomplished something, but we are unfaithful in other areas of our life. You know, just be... Just because you're, you're faithful in your marriage doesn't mean that your boss is, and you're not faithful to work. That, that doesn't work. Oh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm faithful to my wife. Your boss, while he might appreciate that, doesn't really care. It doesn't do him much good. Well, I'm faithful to my job, but I'm having extracurricular activities while at my job. Your wife is going to be mad at you. I'm just letting you know. Or your husband. We have to be faithful in every area of our lives.
We have the example here of being faithful to church. But the truth of the matter is, is we're to be faithful in everything. It's just an example. Why? Because the, the, when we think of church, it's just a building. When, when we're writing here, we're supposed to be faithful to church, we're supposed to be faithful to one another. You have confidence in one another. If I'm going through a rough time, are they going to be able to help me? Are they going to want to help me? Are they going to be there to help me? The only way for that to be accomplished is for us to be in this personally every day. If we're going to help our community, we're going to have to know how. Many, we're, we're going to have to look beyond. Well, you, you go to the doctor. I'm not a doctor. But you, you go to the doctor and you tell him that, you know, this hurts and this hurts and this hurts. And he comes back and tells you that you have something that has nothing to do with your symptoms. Your symptoms were just a sign of, how did he know that? Because he looked beyond. And if we're going to truly help people, we have to look beyond what the symptoms are and see what the problem is. I read this the other day. You don't have to beg a sportsman to attend an outdoor show. You don't have to entice a car enthusiast to go to a car show. You don't have to push a shopper to go to a clearance sale. And you shouldn't have to beg a child of God to be faithful. You guys know that I enjoy sports. You, you don't have to. I, to the best of my ability, if it doesn't ruin more important things, I am there to watch Michigan play. By the way, they're on at 2 o'clock, so I'm going to preach short. No, I'm We will be out of here before 2 <laughs> Why? Because I enjoy You don't have to, you don't have to, like, beg me and, Twist my arm and force me. Now, if someone's in the hospital, I realize that, you know, something else happens. There are more important things that may cause me to miss it. But I'm just saying. What's, what's more important than being faithful to your church family? I tell you frequently at the invitation time, I'm not the type of person that's going to beg you to do what God wants you to do. I expect you to do what God wants you to do. Whatever, whatever it is. I'm not, I, I, I try not to at least hammer, you know, this, this and this and this and this. Listen. Get in the Word of God. Figure out. Ask questions. Ask for help. That's fine. That's wonderful. But it's, it's, it's on you. 
The Bible says that I'm supposed to equip you for the ministry. So many times we, we think, well, pastors in the ministry, I'm not in the ministry. We're all in the ministry. The only thing that the only job requirement I have is to give you the tools to do your job. That's it. The easiest thing for a Christian to do is to gather with the church for worship. It only requires you to get up, get dressed, and get there. And yet many Christians will not do the easiest thing. And then they wonder why they struggle with the difficulties of life. Think about that for a second. I've realized that I'm standing up here in a suit and tie. Brother Mater, we're suit and tie. But there's, there's no dress code for coming to church. I have never once, nor will I ever, give a dress code to come to church. If you want to come in your PJs and wife beater, that's fine. I don't care. I, I believe this, that you should, whatever your best is, And everybody has a different version of best, and that's between them and God. Whatever that is. Just get here. Wednesday nights, we're going to really start working on the only thing that we're going to do on Wednesday nights is pray. You see? But I'm, I'm, I'm out in five minutes. I realize it might take a little bit of time. But just think, just think about this for a minute. You, you pray by yourself for five minutes. You pray with your spouse for five minutes. You pray with somebody else for five minutes. Then you sit there and pray silently while you listen to me. Pray for five minutes. That's 20 minutes right there. I put the theme, you, you saw it in the bulletin. Jesus asked his disciples for one hour. That's it. And I realized that they couldn't do it. But that group of people that initially couldn't do it for one hour, that's the group of people that reached the entire world. God asked for, and I realize I might be reading in between the lines and so I apologize, but God says, if you can give me one hour of prayer, that's enough for you to reach the world. We're going to reach the community. We're going to reach our world. God doesn't ask for a lot. I've been saying it for the last few weeks. I read it in a book. I like the saying, there's a difference between easy and simple. The Christian life will never be easy. But it is very simple. Simplest thing to do is just Set your alarm. Get out of bed. Come to church. Be an encourage. You say, well, I don't need to be in church. But there's somebody here that needs you. There's somebody here that needs you. Maybe, maybe you're super Christian. 
I'm not, but maybe you are. And you are, honestly, I'm not judging you, but I'm just saying, you honestly, before God, do not need to be here. But you know what? There are people here that need you here. Because you're going to be a blessing and an encouragement to them just when they see your face. But that, that's kind of scary, especially for us guys, Brother Modder, Brad, me. We walk in the door and our ugly mug encourages people. That's scary. But it's true. Flip over to Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number two, verse number one, it says, therefore we ought to give the more earnest need to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. We've all heard it. The easiest time not to do something is right after the time you didn't do what you're supposed to do. There's a, I know I've been, I said this a few times, the Christian life, there's, there's a difference between, well, it's, it's balance. And it's so easily to get out of balance. Every once in a while, you got to take your car to the shop to get your tires back. Tires down. What, 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 I mean, I realize maybe, you know, you went off-road and you weren't supposed to, or you, you know, did some curb checks, but for the most part, you didn't do anything to cause your car to get tires to get out of balance. It just happens. Have you seen a car going down the road? It's going down the road sideways. I've seen that a few times in my life. That's how out of balance. And you know what? They don't even know it. That's the way the Christian life is if we're not careful. We're so out of balance that we're going down, we're living our life sideways and it's evident to everybody else, but it's not evident to us. Why? Because, oh, well, we've, we've got something better to do, something more important to do. There's toilet paper. I just realized that. I don't know. That is not part of the sermon illustration. Be faithful. Second Corinthians, I mean, sorry, First Corinthians ten twelve. Paul says, "What? Take heed. Wherefore you think, when a man thinks that he stands, lest he falls. Proverbs: Pride cometh before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. When just about the time we think we've got it all figured out." 
Satan hits us with something. And if we're not prepared, if we're not faithful, if we don't know where to go, it'll get us all messed up. You know what? I, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, I realize that, you know, I, there for a while, you know, maybe I had all these issues in my life, but I'm, I'm doing pretty good, so I don't need to be in church anymore. You know what? I, I, know, that, I know that I had some financial problems, and the Bible says that I start tithing, that they'll go away, so I started tithing, started giving, and they went away, so I don't need to tithe anymore. I don't need to give to church anymore. It's, it's all healed. It's all better. It's all perfect. Hebrews chapter number three, verse number 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and a departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You do realize that it says daily. That's how quickly we can get out of alignment. One little hiccup, bump in the road, and that's how fragile we are. Men don't like to think of themselves as sensitive or fragile, but humanity is. We're tough. We get out of our faithfulness and we blame others for it. Well, they weren't faithful to me. Why should I be faithful to them? Again, I realize it's the easiest example. So marriage. Well, so-and-so cheated on me, so I'm, not, I, so I'm going to get a divorce. I'm going to be faithful to them. You, you missed the entire point of your wedding vow. And I'm, I'm not condoning someone cheating on their spouse. What I am saying is they missed, well, obviously they missed it too. But you didn't make the vows to your spouse, you made the vows to God. You didn't say, well, as long as you're faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. You just simply said, I'm going to be faithful. Just because someone else does wrong doesn't give us an excuse. church. Well, so-and-so, the pastor hurt me. A pastor should have never hurt you. That was wrong of him. I'm not going to condone it. Deacon, Sunday school teacher, treasurer, greeter. I don't... I realize it's a completely different issue, but we're going to offend people. Realize this. As human beings, we're going to offend people. You're going to get offended. You're going to offend I offend my wife all the time, and I don't even mean to. But I know that it happens because two or three days later, I find out. So. I'm sorry. I messed up. It shouldn't happen. But our faithfulness isn't about us. It's a, our faithfulness is to Him.
I think it's Hebrews chapter number six. No, I guess it's, it, no, it's, verse, it's in our text. Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. If we sin by choice, voluntarily, intentionally, stubbornly, arrogant, rude, disregarding for the feelings of others, proudly, think about this, David lied, he was an adulterer, he was a murderer, He did some pretty bad things. But he was called the apple of God's eye. David made this prayer. Lord, uh, forgive me of my what presumptuous sins. Those things that I do that I don't know are wrong. We're not going to reach sinless perfection. Like I said, we're, we're, we're going to do things that are wrong, we're going to offend people, that's not right of us. But there's a vastly difference between doing it on accident and doing it on purpose. You should not intentionally be mean to people. The Bible talks about evil. They did that which was evil. Evil means to intentionally do harm to a person. If I'm driving along and I cut you off in traffic and I didn't see you, that was an accident. I did you wrong. It was not right of me. But I'm driving along, I see you, and I speed up in gas and T-bone you. That's on purpose. That's evil. What does the Bible say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Can I present you to you this morning that without faithfulness, you won't have a successful Christian life? You probably won't have a very successful life at all without faithfulness. If you're not faithful to your spouse, you're probably going to get ended up divorced a whole bunch of times. If you're not faithful to your job, you're not going to be able to keep a job. You're not going to have success. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But the closest thing that we're going to have 
to perfection on this earth is the church. Think about this for a second. Each and every one of us the body, the, described as the church is the body. Each and every, hey, we're all good at something, right? I'm, some of us are bad at stuff, too. Some of us are bad at more things than we're good at. But there is at least one thing that we're good at. So what God has done is he's taken the whole bunch of imperfect sinners. And he says, you know what? That thing that you're good at, I'm going to take that and I'm going to put that in the body. The rest of it, I don't need. Goes to the next person. The thing that you're good at, I'm going to take that and I'm going to make that. How many of you, they, they, they talk about, we're going to build the perfect quarterback. And they say, you need this guy's brain and this guy's eyes and this guy's arm and this guy's legs. This. No person is perfect. But when you take the best out of everything, this is as close as it's ever going to be to perfect. The closest thing to perfection that we are going to have on this earth should be the church. We all want to live in a utopian society that they had once, Adam and Eve. The closest thing to a utopian society should be the church. And the only way for that to happen is for us to be faithful. If you're the leg of the church and you're not here, we're, it's going to stumble and fall. You say, well, leg doesn't seem as important as an eye. Think about this. You, you, you can't walk with one leg, but you can see with one eye. I realize your depth perception and peripheral vision is be messed up, but you can still see. I've never seen anybody walk with one leg. They can hop, wobble, crawl. But the definition of walking cannot be accomplished with one leg. And if we're going to thrive, you can't thrive with one leg. You can survive, you can adapt. But for how long has the church, and I'm generally God's church, in America, in the world, how long has it just been surviving, limping along? Because Christians refuse to be faithful. I told you the other day, and I've said it before, 30 days for every Christian time. 30 days, 60 days, a year, I mean a year, 90 days. And things would be completely changed. We'd be thriving. The world knows it. Those three 
wonderful people in Washington. Yes, I'm speaking sarcastically. They know it. American Christians did what they were supposed to do. They couldn't be stopped. They said it, not me. <laughs> I don't know. When, when I heard that, the walls of Jericho. Oh, it's so big. It's so We, we, we can't do it. We're, we're grasshoppers in their sight. And, and we're not going to go in. We're not going to do it. And so God says, fine, you're all going to die. I'll let your kids do it. And all the while, the people of Jericho were just waiting. Why? Because they knew. They knew. When I heard that, that just jumped into my head. We're so, we're so scared. And yet they're just waiting. <laughs> just waiting for us to take over. So let's go do it. But it can't be done without faithfulness. I know life happens. I understand that. We're going to close here in a second. The coals aren't here because they're sick. I understand life happens. But when you predetermine that you're not going to do something, we're in trouble. I'll see you tonight. I don't know. No. I don't think I'm going to be here tonight. I'm, I got something planned. Predetermined. I'll see you on Wednesday night because I need you here so we can pray as a church and get the power of God. No. I got something else planned. See you on Saturdays for visitation. No. I got something else planned. <coughs> Special activities. I don't think I'm going to come. I don't know. I'm not going to be a blessing and an encouragement. I've got something else planned. You predetermined. Like I said, I know life happens. But when we predetermine, you cause the church to limp along. Oh, well, it's, it's only one service. Really? You've been in church long enough. Most of us have seen it happen. We'll miss one service. And then a little while later, they'll miss two services. And then a little while later, they'll miss three services or activities or special outreach for the church. No, I, I got something else to do. My family's coming into town. How many of you think I should cancel church on Wednesday night? Oh, my family's in town. But when your family's in town, do you come to church? Predetermined. We're going to thrive. We're going to have to be faithful. Let's pray.